Hey, and welcome back to Giovanni Drioli's Movies of More, where I talk about movies of more. All right, everyone, welcome back. As always, uh, I'm super excited to have you guys listening, and I'm also super excited to talk about these movies. I literally just got done watching The Karate Kid Part 2, as, uh, as a more educated folk would know it by. Uh, no, I just finished the second Karate Kid, um, the 80s one. And I ran up here while the creative juices were still flowing to talk about uh, the f- the first one. <laughs> uh, actually, plan a plan to do a little little comparison, a little compare and contrast with the uh, the nineteen eighty four Karate Kid with Ralph Macchio, and then the um, the twenty ten remake with uh, with Jaden Smith. But uh, the second one will probably come up in conversation since I literally just watched it. But um, I'm ready. I'm here. I'm I'm. I'm excited to talk about this. So these were actually, these were pretty classic movies when I was when I was younger. I haven't seen the original in, ah, uh, ooh, it's probably been a couple years because I definitely, I definitely remember. I mean, to be honest, I remember the whole series in broad strokes. I don't remember a lot of the individual details because it's it's probably been a it's been a hot minute since I I really like went back and revisited these, but you know they're such a part of pop culture and and they're such seminal movies that it just you know your mind can kind of trick you into thinking you've seen them more than you have so i feel like that was kind of the case with these but i did actually devote the time today to watch uh the original the remake and the sequel so uh i don't know we'll we'll see how everything breaks down as i go but uh i do remember very vividly the the remake because for a while I feel like that one loomed larger it's just a product of uh when I grew up I was uh I was six or yeah I think I would yeah I would have had to been six when the remake came out and I was taking kung fu which was perfect because that uh that was uh around the same time when when the movie was coming out so the the dojo that I was I was were working at no I was studying at uh, they arranged a trip for everyone in the class to go and we were going to do kind of a parents day and uh, a movie day so all the parents came along and they went to go to the movies with us uh, I'm not exactly sure how this all shook down with payment and whatnot I don't know if it was all on the school or, or if the parents all paid I really wasn't concerned about it back then, but uh, but I think they rented out the whole theater because before we went in to watch the movie, and I think this is probably on opening weekend or something. It was it was a pretty big deal. It was really cool, but uh, we did like a like a performance. We did our our uh, our forms and we did a little bit of uh, just kind of showing off for the parents and stuff. And I, yeah, I would I would imagine that they probably didn't do this with other patrons there, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But we did it right there in the lobby. It was a relatively big theater, and uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So that's one way to have it stick out in your mind. And then we watched it, and I really, really enjoyed it because I was six. Uh, not to tip my hand or anything, but I I really enjoyed it, and I kept watching it. I got it on DVD, and I still have it. And uh, and yeah, that along with the original, which I'm sure I've I saw that first. Well. I don't know if it makes more sense that my dad would have, would have been like, oh, you guys are going to go see the new one, then you have to see the original. Or if I saw the new one and I was so excited about it that my dad was like, well, if you like that, you have to check out the original. I don't know which order makes more sense because, like I said, I don't totally I don't totally remember the last time I watched these or, like, exactly how I was introduced to these. But, um, but I do distinctly remember the remake. And I love that song. I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's still kind of a bop when it came on. Uh, during the end credits, I was like, shit, this takes me back. Honestly, the whole soundtrack is quite the time capsule. I feel like there's a little bit, like, it's more diegetic sound. Um, so, like, sound that, that the characters can hear in the movie. Like, yeah, some of the some of the places they go in the original, that, that sort of dates the movie, but it's not so overt that, like, you can really put a finger on what year it came out. I feel like it's a lot more timeless than the, uh, than the, the remake, which... Just listening to some of the songs that they play, I was like, oh my god, that is so indicative of the 2010s. But um, but yeah, so 
I definitely love this movie, though I couldn't tell you everything about it. I had a lot of love for it. I loved the loved the characters, the, you know, Mr. Miyagi's little bits of wisdom are definitely things that my dad has said to me and that kind of come up through throughout my life. And uh, and references to it and Cobra Kai and whatever are, are things that definitely permeate my childhood and, and still kind of live on to this, to this day. And so I really had a lot of love for these movies, but like I said earlier, it, it had been a while since I had sat down to watch them. So uh, today, my dad offhandedly says something about Karate Kid, and I was like, hey man, we, we should watch that, because it's something I've been meaning to do for a while. I have this podcast, which is a perfect platform to talk about a lot of really classic 80s movies and a lot of stuff that I've had a lot of love for for a while, and I think sometimes it's really fun and interesting to revisit those kind of movies and to to express what I love about them and how amazing they are in some cases, but then also take a more objective look at stuff that I, you know, I may have loved when I was younger and then see whether or not it works now that I'm a little bit older. So this is definitely one of those movies that I would have got to at some point. And since I've been, uh, I've been going through and covering a lot of classics like Robocop and Terminator and, and that kind of stuff, I thought, hey, this seems like a pretty good time. I might as well uh, dust off the old box set and uh, and talk about it. So that's what I did. And I thought it would be an interesting way to go about this, to talk about some of the similarities and the differences between the remake and the original and to see like what which one I liked better, what I thought worked in one versus what worked in another, and to examine like what makes a successful remake and, and when a certain film should just maybe be left alone. So I'm really excited to, to get into this. And uh, without further ado, I think I think that's what we should do. Let's let's talk uh, let's talk some Karate Kid. Now, first things first. Uh, the the title of the remake is kind of bullshit because he doesn't learn karate. He learns kung fu. That's much more of a nitpick. Like obviously, the name's the brand. You're not really gonna sell the kung fu kid, especially because that doesn't sound good. But uh, but that is kind of funny to to think of like right off the bat. As soon as you see the the thing, and they're like. They're, the the title comes up and they're going to Beijing and whatever and they're talking about kung fu this and kung fu that and you're like this is called the Karate Kid are you sh- are you sure you didn't mislabel the movie but uh, there are two things that I was reminded of in in these rewatches when it comes to the first one I think everything with Miyagi and Daniel is pitch perfect. Their relationship is really good. Their dynamic is great when it's emotional and when it's comedic. And I love how in certain scenes they can flip between it being both. Like at first when Miyagi's drunk and, you know, he's he's going a little crazy, it's it's kind of funny and you're laughing along with Daniel and then it gets really serious and and you in you know, you live through this emotional moment with them and they play it really well. And I think it definitely makes sense that Ralph Macchio was so popular for a really short amount of time like he was in a lot of stuff uh but unfortunately he wasn't a bigger star and i'm not sure why he didn't quite catch on like someone like um i don't know cory feldman or or i don't some some other similar child stars but but regardless i think he's really really good in this movie and i think his chemistry with uh, with mr miyagi and uh and ally and his mom all of that works really really well and then definitely, definitely Pat Morita as as uh, Miyagi. It's a classic role. He's got some really, really classic lines. Even if you don't know what movie is from, I'm sure you've heard some of this stuff. And there's a reason he won an Oscar for this performance. It's really, really good. It's such a lived-in character. And like I said before, I love how he can go from being funny to being serious. And how he can use like his more humorous uh outgoing personality to kind of hide what he's really trying to do he's just kind of being really lighthearted, and he's not letting daniel in on what he's actually trying to do before he has the big unveiling of like i've been teaching you everything it's second nature to you now you know how to do all this stuff because i was teaching you and you didn't even know it and he can play that off really well just because of how uh, how pitch perfect his portrayal of this character is, and so I think that can't be understated. He's a he's a really really great actor, and he gives a really great performance in this movie, and uh, and everything with that was firing on all cylinders, which is something else I think carries over to the remake. Jaden Smith is really charismatic, and especially for a child actor, he was really really talented. I think he feels really natural in a lot of these scenes, and he, his. Uh, his chemistry with a lot of his co-stars comes off as very, um, 
very realistic and and true to life as to what a kid his age would would talk like and and act like and and that kind of thing how he would would deal with these certain situations that have been thrown his way and I think Jackie Chan just immediately because of his background because he's made history with his amazing performances in classic martial arts movies you just trust everything he says he has this gravitas and this genuine love and respect for martial arts that really carries through the to the performance and makes it something special because everything he says you know you know it's true it's Jackie Chan saying it which is something I think that this movie gets an immediate not I wouldn't say leg up but certainly it sets itself apart very quickly with the casting of Jackie Chan and then not only his uh his more emotional moments which I think I think I really love well I know I really love the moments in both movies but something I wanted to get into with this whole talk of the dynamic between the student and the teacher I think that uh that Jackie Chan I don't know if the performance is necessarily better but he the the way he's written and the function that he plays in the story I think is it's better in the remake this is one of the things that I think works better uh his physicality for one is is really really good and I like that his whole you know in both movies the kind of thesis of what the teachers are teaching their students the karate kids as it were uh is that you learn to fight so you don't have to and I think that the way he dispatches all these kids with without really, you know, even uh, Dre even articulates this in the movie. He's like, you, you know, you didn't punch them. You made them hit each other. And that's the way he's he's still solving the problem, but avoiding inciting more violence. He's just using what they're doing against them, which I think is it even goes so far as to teach them the lesson that he's going to teach Trey later, which is you know, fighting's not going to solve anything. You're just going to make things worse for yourself and for others. And um, and I think that's really cool, and I like how that's played out physically. And I also like that Jackie Chan is just really, really good at doing all this stuff. Obviously, he's Jackie Chan, but he does all the physical stuff in a way that he doesn't really do in other movies. You're so used to seeing him young and, and like a bona fide action star. And I like that here he's he's physically moving like an older man, like a more, uh, you know, a wiser man who's who's imparting his knowledge onto his pupil rather than, you know, being the, the star of the show. And I really like that, that this movie gave him an opportunity to branch out and try something new with his performance. I think that's really cool. And I think he knocks it out of the park when it comes to that. But then I also like that uh, mostly when it comes to the remakes version of the of Miyagi getting drunk, of the whole thing with the telegram and the news clippings and everything and, and Daniel kind of putting together the pieces of what happened in Miyagi's past that kind of drove him to being this sort of recluse, lonesome guy. I think that it works better in the remake because the remake does a very good job of showing not only what Mr. Han imparts to Dre, what the teacher gives the student, but that the student gives something to the teacher, which I think makes their relationship more impactful. Because once uh, once Jackie Chan is, is at his lowest moment, uh, like Dre comes in and he he pulls out the, the sticks from earlier and he he teaches him the lesson that Jackie Chan taught him earlier. He's like, he's using Kung Fu to help him solve a problem. He's using, you know, the, these movements and, um, and their, their training to help him out of a very dark situation. And I think that's really amazing. That moment is poetic and it's beautifully shot. And, uh, and I really, really love it that he, he's shown that he's truly mastered what he's been learning because he's used it to, you know, very practically solve a real problem and and help his his master uh, overcome some sort of trauma that he's been suffering for years. And that scene always gets me, especially the way Jackie Chan's voice breaks and just the way he plays that moment. It's so perfect. And, uh, and, and combined with the cinematography, I think that moment is absolutely incredible. It's probably my favorite of the whole... Well, actually, it might be my second favorite of the whole movie, but it's really a standout.
And actually, speaking of cinematography, uh, I talked recently on the 1917 episode about how my appreciation for the language of film and visual storytelling and how I enjoy a movie that's beautiful to look at just because of the way it's shot and the way colors appear on the film. And there's just so much you can do with that, and I really appreciate it when it's done well. Both these movies are incredibly well shot. I think there's a lot more, uh, I would guess I'd say, visual storytelling in the in the original because there are certain shots where like things are happening in the background or you're you're moving and maintaining momentum uh as you move through a conversation so that it never gets boring i like uh like there's wonders where you just move through this entire conversation and two people are talking and you're getting exposition whatever but you're never bored because you're always moving and I think that's one of the best things that happens in the movie. There's the there's a really simple two shot where it's Daniel and his mom at the restaurant, and they're you know they're talking about the day and and Daniel's crush and whatever. And behind them in the window, you see uh, that one kid depart from the the rest of the of the Cobra Kai as they're walking out of the dojo. He walks up a little bit down the block, sees Daniel and his mom, runs, goes and gets his friends, and you know they kind of laugh and make fun of. Uh, Daniel and point and stuff all in one shot framed in the middle of Daniel and his mom talking and it's so like it's so subtle and you could you could honestly not even notice it until like the very end until you see like wait what's going on back there but like there's a whole nother story happening within the frame and I think that's really really cool and one of the best things about it is that a lot of times you don't notice it which is which is better it shouldn't be distracting it's just so perfectly integrated into the movie and then on top of that, I think there's a lot of moments where the colors and um, and like truly natural beauty shows through. Uh, the the practicing on the beach looks really beautiful, especially the crane kick and stuff. And once they capture some of those like golden hours and sunsets and and uh, like the silhouettes of them practicing in the water, it's really really beautiful. And that's one of the better things about the first movie in particular, I think that the second movie, despite it being the same director, I think it drops the ball on a lot of that, which is interesting because it's he, he still has an amazing location to work with, but it just doesn't seem to, to be firing on all cylinders the way the first movie is. Uh, but I do think that that's something that carries over from the original to the remake, despite it not carrying over from the uh, the original to the sequel. But there are so many beautiful colors, and they really, really utilize the beauty of a setting like China. They really take advantage of it. You see the Great Wall, you see the Forbidden City, and um, the way they depict the festivals and um, and like the streets and just the the normal everyday lives of these people. It's bursting with color. Uh, you you really easily identify a lot of these characters just based on their color and how bright it is. Uh, I loved, I think my favorite part in terms of lighting in the movie was when um, was when Dre and and his girlfriend were behind the projector booth. They're er, like in, I guess it's not really a projector booth. It's like the, the shadow puppet show. And the way they're lit and the the projector and like the fog and the, the deep blues and reds they just look so beautiful and the way they like cast shadows across the, the actors faces it really makes the scene come alive and then you mirror it in a way with they have a very similar moment where they have um they have the shadow puppets uh, in, in a way with with the silhouettes on the wall that are that are kind of being projected by the the headlight of the car after the really emotional moment with Jackie Chan and when they're they're kind of practicing their kung fu and it's showing love in a different way it's like mirroring these two people coming together and you know expressing like a, a more fatherly kind of love rather than a romantic kind of love and I love that it's so beautiful and it it's amazing that just the lighting in this movie it's it's really really great and actually uh, speaking of like directorial flares there's a lot of really cool transitions in this movie, like the fading from the uh, like the the blacktop and the markings on the basketball court to I think it's a peephole, or like they they fade from him kicking and like right into the statue and everything. All that was really cool, and I think that despite what you could say about the movie, it does have a really good directorial flair. 
and I'm glad that that's something that carried over from the first movie because a lot of times I feel like a remake you you tend to not try as hard you you just do and, and aside from some select few examples I think you can usually abandon some of that and I'm I'm glad they didn't I think the biggest downfall for the remake for me is the fact that the kids are so young and like I mean listen it's not even that they are necessarily so young a lot of them are you know they're kind of my age they're teenagers but they just look so young on camera that a lot of the conflicts just don't seem as important because it's children fighting children and um and i think that the conflict makes a lot more sense when it's actual teenagers when your mom can't bail you out anymore when you're trying to you know to to get your own identity and to to get the girl and whatever and like you have something to fight for you're trying to establish yourself as your own person as your own man because you're coming into adulthood and that works a lot better in a high school setting than it does in like a grade school kind of middle school setting because like we see in the movie the parents intervene and they like break up Dre and and his girlfriend and it's like wait well if the parents can intervene then why didn't the parents just intervene when this psycho kid was beating the shit out of Dre like there's no reason that he really has to fight back against him. He could tell a teacher. He could tell his mom. Like, they ha they still have power over this these kids because these kids aren't... They're not independent yet. They're not driving. They can't be out all hours of the night, which is something that this movie kind of glosses over. Like, in the 80s... If these were kind of... If these were kind of switched, like, if the teenagers were, were running around uh, and going wherever throughout the city... Um, and, and that was in the more modern day, in the 2010 version, and then it was younger kids in the 80s running around, that would make a little more sense, because back then, you know, it was a lot more lax, you could, you could be more latchkey kids, and you could kind of just come and go as you please, a lot more than you could now, whereas now, they just moved from Detroit to Beijing, and this city is brand new to them, and I'm sorry, there's just no way that you know, that this mother is letting her son just run around wherever he wants, whenever he wants. I'm, it's just not happening. Like, he, he, like he's just kind of going around and getting into fights and, like, there's no real supervision. Whereas, I feel like his mom would be picking him up. His mom would be, like, with him a lot more than she is. Like, because he doesn't have a car. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, it, it, I don't know if I articulated that properly, but it just seems like the the conflict makes more sense and is more pertinent when you're older versus when you're younger when it feels like adults could still intervene there's not really there's no reason for this to escalate as much as it does and i also think that the dehumanization of these characters is something that really doesn't help because this child the chang or whatever his name is is a straight up psychopath the look in this kid's eyes is genuinely unnerving like he's a good villain but he's he's fucking insane like he's beating the shit out of this kid and he's ruthless and i know that's like the point that they're teaching him the wrong lesson but it doesn't seem like he seems like he still would have turned out this way if the sensei wasn't the way he was and i think that the other part of it is they don't have really any human moments before the very very end there's one offhanded comment of like he's had enough whatever but like th that never comes back one of my favorite moments in the end of the tournament is when they have um when he's like take him out whatever and he's like but i can beat him and and he's like i don't want to beat. i want him broken whatever that it whatever the line is and he goes in and he takes him out he like hits his leg in the original and he's like i'm sorry johnny i'm sorry i'm sorry or, I'm sorry, Johnny, what? No, he's not apologizing to the bully. Um, Daniel, he's like, I'm sorry, Daniel, I'm sorry. And I really love that moment because it shows that these people aren't just mindless, you know, violence-hungry, um, bleach-blonde, crazy people. They're genuinely human. Like, he feels bad that he was forced to do that, but he's so afraid of his sensei and the repercussions for not going along with what he says that he's willing to sacrifice his place in the tournament and to genuinely hurt this child that he you know he does it anyway and um 
and I, I really like that moment, and, and the he's had enough moment, which is, you know, what happens in both versions, I really like that, and then there's even stuff with Johnny where, yeah, he's, he's pretty crazy, and he's definitely the most extreme of all of them, but there are parts where he's like, you know, he's trying to keep up appearances at the, at, when they're dancing, and he's like, hey, just, just finish the song, whatever, that kind of stuff, he's not straight up crazy, he does have certain moments of humanity, and I think that that overall then makes him giving the trophy to Daniel, although I think there should be more of a beat of like, like conflict, just like, oh no, I don't want to do this, but he's earned it, I have to, I think that would mean more, but, um, but I do like that it's been built up better in the original, that he would hand over the trophy to Daniel, and he would respect Daniel. However, I do think that him not pausing to really think about the, the, like, giving over the trophy is kind of indicative of how they approach the whole, the whole climax, because I think the whole movie is very well paced. It does, like, get a little bit long towards the end, but I think overall, I really enjoy the pacing, and I think that they continue to ramp up what are you learning and to ramp up the conflict and to have always something happening that keeps the movie interesting. But I think that the main problem is that once you get to the tournament, the pacing picks up like crazy. They super, super rushed the ending of this. And I, the, it just seems so abrupt. Like the tournament doesn't last that long. And then it's like, he gets the trophy. He, you know, he's like, hey, Mr. Miyagi, and then Mr. Miyagi's like, mm-hmm, and then they cut. I'm like, what? That was really quick. And there's a scene at the very beginning, after the previously on Karate Kid recap. What the heck was that? I've never seen that in a movie. But um, in the beginning of part two, there's a scene where Daniel is, like, he's taking a shower. He's, you know, he's on his way out of the tournament. And they, you know, the they see that the... Um, the sensei on the other team, or the, the other, yeah, team, whatever, let's go for it, uh, it, uh, for Cobra Kai, the, the sensei for Cobra Kai is, he's, like, gonna beat the shit out of Johnny, like, he's really, really angry, he's absolutely about to murder this dude, and Miyagi steps in, and he's not fighting him, he's dodging his attacks, and he's letting him hurt himself, he's punching through these windshields, and, uh, and he's, his fingers are all bloody, and, and he's just, like, totally, you know, he's just totally wrecked himself and, and proven everything that he taught these kids wrong, which I think is so integral to summing up all the themes of the movie, the first movie, that is, and I really don't like that they cut it. I think that it would have worked just as well, if not better, as the ending to the first movie, because that way it doesn't feel as expedited, and, and it also... It works as um, it works as a conclusion to Miyagi's story. He's proven himself right. He's shown all these kids that their their sensei was wrong, and he's won by not fighting, by doing what he was teaching, uh, what he was teaching Daniel to do the whole movie. That is that's the that's the way he beats this guy is by avoiding conflict. I think that was it's so poignant and it's so perfect for the ending and i just can't wrap my head around why they cut it i think it would have been so perfect but regardless um i'm not exactly sure where i was going with that but uh but yeah i do think the ending of both of these movies is a little bit abrupt but i do think that the first one earns it more whereas the remake uh, i i just don't think that they build up these kids to be quite so remorseful like they do in the first one and the senseis in both of these are crazy but the tone of the first one is a little bit more fun. It's a little bit more ridiculous. It's 80s and stuff. The The tone of the remake is way too serious for this absolutely bonkers guy. This dude is so crazy, and his face made me laugh so hard. When he's at the end, and he's just looking around like, What? They beat me? I was like, You are ridiculous. But, um... But, speaking of the ending, one of the things that I love about the remake that I think that the that the first one kind of whiffs is the final attack. The, you know, what what's his final, um, his final, like, I was going to say killing strike, but obviously he's not going to, he's not going to murder Johnny, but like, 
how's he going to end the fight? How's he going to win that that moment? Uh, Miyagi says that if if the crane kick is done correctly, that you can't block it, which is a load of crap. There is it's literally just a jump kick. You could really easily block that. You could wax the you, Miyagi. You could wax off. That, that sounded weird. Um, you could wax. You could do the wax on, wax off, and you could um, you could so easily block that kick. It, it he blocks it in the second one. Anyway, um, I think that it's it it's cool and bringing the the narrative full circle i like it but he doesn't really learn anything through that kick it doesn't mean anything in particular i think that the the moment at the end of um uh the remake is is so pitch perfect because he's learned something that the that the first or I mean that the opponent his Chang whatever his face could not understand which is he's calm he's not angry he's not trying to fight he's still this guy is so angry and he's just so absolutely steadfast in wanting to take him out and the way he wins is by showing mastery over that anger by by showing mastery over his opponent it harkens back to the moment with the lady and the snake and the whole lesson that Jackie Chan teaches at the dragon pool where he, you know, he's like, we like water, you know, still, calm, whatever. And and you use that to to master your reflection. That's how that works. And that's what, um, that's what he does. He harnesses his, his anger. He's shown that he's above what this guy is trying to do. And so... He's confused him, and he's gotten him to, like, stop for a second, and he uses that as an opportunity, and he finishes him off. Like, he has learned what this guy couldn't, un- couldn't, just, just couldn't understand. And I think that's so, that's so good, and so much better narratively, like, thematically. It just, it's so much better constructed than I, than the original. And I, I, that's why, that's honestly, that's my favorite scene. I just... Like, I love it. He's, like, oh, it, he's won in a different way. He didn't win physically. He won mentally. That's so perfect. And, um, and yeah, the backflip is cool. It used to bother me. They're like, what? you did not establish that he could do a backflip. But they do hint about him doing gymnastics early in the movie. He is cartwheeling around and stuff. So, okay, it's a little ridiculous, but at that point, I'll buy it. It's it's not a huge deal. And, uh, and yeah, I really love the ending. I, th- I think that they're, however charming, um, Jane Smith and, uh, ooh, I should probably look this up, I don't want to be disrespectful, um, his, his girlfriend in the movie, um, let's see here, um, Mei Ying, the, when, oh god, I'm not even gonna try this, um, she's an Asian actress. I, I'm just not even going to attempt it, but, um, you know, whatever, fine, his girlfriend, um, she, they're charming together, and I think that their performances do a lot. They're very charismatic, and they have good chemistry, but I do think that the relationship with Allie and, uh, Daniel is a lot better. I, I think that part of it is their age. Um, I just don't, I just have trouble, like, with this whole, um, like, they're, they're in middle school, it's not gonna last, it's, it's honestly not really worth the amount of, um, amount of work they're putting into it, but I, I think that in general, just the, Daniel and Allie, you understand why they're together. I think that it's great that it's not like she's taking pity on him or she feels obligated to, um, like she, she's attracted to him just because her boyfriend beat the shit out of him. I like that she, you know, he goes after her, that he's like teaching her something and that he's, um, he is like, he's scrappy. He'll stand up for himself and he'll stand up for her, which is what I think really gets, um, really gets her attention and then I like that their relationship kind of ebbs and flows that they go through things together and and they really do like learn things about each other throughout these 
you know, the, the course of, of events here. And I like that you can see why this is really difficult for him because she's obviously very wealthy and she's much more popular than he is. And he's struggling with money, his car, you know, his whole situation is very embarrassing. His mom's his chauffeur, the car breaks down. You can see why he's really insecure and why a lot of these situations, he just assumes the worst and that brings them into conflict because she can't quite get it through his head that like, no, I genuinely do like you. And I do want to be with you. And then I like that um, that she uh, has like like character things. There are hints to her backstory with how she knows the, the points, the scoring system, even when Miyagi doesn't. She knows that stuff because she dated Johnny. She, you know, she would have had to listen to him tell her all about the points and probably how cool they were. So I like that, that little details in there. And yeah, I just liked her performance. I like that she will also get in there and she'll she'll throw the f first punch too. She's she's scrappy in her own way. I really really enjoyed their relationship and I thought they were really cute together. I thought that was one of the the most endearing parts of the movie and uh and I think that that's one of the, one of the elements that functions better in the original. Uh let's see. The mom also. I also like the mom better in the original to be honest with you i legitimately hate the mom in the in the remake she's so annoying and tragedy henson is a good actress like i like her in other things it's just the way she chose to play this character i could not get behind dude she's she's just very annoying like she uh, excuse me she's fantastic in hidden figures like that's a more recent role that she she's had but like She's really good in a lot of movies. I just, I don't know, man. I did. She's just overacted. She's so hammy, and the like the way she's just always yelling at him. She's really annoying, and she doesn't have the same amount of support. They don't have the same genuinely like caring and like you can tell that since dad isn't in the picture that they've grown really close together over, um, over the course of, of his life um of, of daniel's life they you can tell that they have a close bond in the original in the remake i feel like you don't get that as much you get just a lot more of like pick up your jacket that oh my god dude i hate that moment so much she's like Trey, and she's like oh it's so annoying dude it's so annoying but i love that the mom is genuinely super caring and she genuinely loves her son and that he loves her and they have like the you know little in jokes and just their dynamic is really lived in and i think that goes a long way to sympathizing with their struggles and i think that's just done better in the sequel or the sequel no she's not in the sequel idiot in the original actually speaking of sequels i think i've kind of i've what is that like four four or five or so some points of like you know different things that i think work better in one versus the other i think overall just because uh, a lot of this would not work if you didn't have the original as a framework and i think a lot of it is just a little bit more ridiculous and a little more tone deaf than uh in the in the remake than the original so overall i really think the original is a superior film even though there are certain aspects of the remake that i think it nails better than the original does but it also doesn't work without the groundwork that the original laid so in that way i think i have to give it to the original and then just the general tone the characterization the performances i think everything just coalesces better in the original than it does in the remake uh, not to say that the remake is bad, I actually thought it was really enjoyable, I just think that as a movie, the original is better. But I think this lends the, an, an interesting conversation, which is, and I apologize, I, I should have known this going in, I should have kind of warned you guys, but um, but this is going to be a longer episode, which you probably can tell by now, but uh, but hopefully you'll, you'll stick it in for the long one. Uh, er, uh, that was an unfortunate choice of words. <laughs> you'll stick it. God damn it. Um, you'll stick it out for the long run. Uh, I think this is... It's interesting how sequels and remakes have very similar jobs to do. And they also have very similar pitfalls that they can fall into. Uh, you have to give enough of what the audience is there to see based on the original 
you have to provide enough of the of the same characters and, and carry through on some of the same plot lines. You like you have to give them enough of what they're familiar with, but you also have to bring something new to the table. And and in some ways, you have to up the ante because what worked the first time isn't going to work the, the the second time. You already saw it. So, uh, I think that the I don't know. I think that the sequel made me realize what I really dislike about it because it's a sequel that I think doesn't really work on any level it's just the villains are way worse they're so much more annoying well I think the emotional stuff with Miyagi and Daniel it does work pretty well uh, I hate the fact that everything's explained away in a monologue his mom never appears Ali's out of the picture Apparently they had this huge falling out at prom that we never got to see, which means I don't really feel like there's been much time that's passed, even though you showed me it was six months later. Like, okay, all of that talk of balance and all that fighting to get there with her, and you stay with her for six months, and then you're going to travel halfway across the world and decide, oh, no, I actually like the, this girl so much that I'm going to take her back to the States with me. And by the way, I'm 99% sure that in the third one, he gets another love interest anyway. So I don't know man it's just crazy and i really hate that i don't know the exactly the behind the scenes story of the second one i certainly know a lot more fun facts and behind the scenes stuff with the with the original uh i will spare you that because that would just pro prolong this episode even more and i'm already nervous it's going to get close to an hour which i haven't done since the very beginning and i'm really nervous to do again but um but I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if she asked for too much money or she didn't want to come back for some reason or they didn't have her contracted. I have no idea. But I just hate that they that they tell and don't show. I said before about how I love visual storytelling and I love the language of cinema. And I think that's something that translates to exposition as well. If you can say it visually or if you can show me it happening, then I'll feel it more and I'll believe it more. I'll be with Daniel more than him just saying, yeah, yeah, she read me she, she remodeled my my grill or whatever the, whatever the line is like it just doesn't feel right for me and it just doesn't sit right with me that you went through the whole movie to just reverse all the progress we made and send us back to square one except this time he knows karate we're gonna go with an equally ridiculous villain except this time the beef is more with Miyagi than it is with Daniel and but it's the same like level of ridiculousness and just it's just so cheesy and just so terrible. This guy is holding a grudge that's been lasting for like 30 years and it doesn't it cheapens the loss of his wife and his unborn child if there's another girl that it turned out he loved before he met her and then he's just going to fall in love with her again. So I guess the wife was kind of like the in-betweener. I don't really know what's going on there. And not to say that protagonist movies can't move on after they've lost loved ones. They certainly can, and I think that's very interesting a lot of the time. But in this case, it was a very big part of his character, and I really don't like that they just completely undo it in the sequel. I, that's not... I don't think that's very interesting. I don't just want to see him regressed. I want to see him progressed. I want to see how he's changed now. I want to see some inner conflict with the fact that he hasn't loved anyone in, you know, decades, and that the last time he did... He lost her and his child before you even got to meet him. Like, that... I don't know, man. Just some any sign that this has caused some world-weariness world on his part and that this is taking a toll on him. Him crying, you know, shedding a tear that his father is dead, which he doesn't really do. I don't know, man. I just think there are so many missed opportunities. The premise isn't altogether bad, but I just think the way it's executed is so silly and so sloppy. By the time he gets to the final fight, I was like, what are you fighting about? This is ridiculous. He shamed your family? So what, dude? You're the richest person in this town. You could have any girl you wanted. Stop being such a pussy, man. Like, it's been decades, dude. Just get over it. Like, oh, man. I really was unfathomably disappointed with the sequel. And the end move is so lackluster and just unimpressive. You can barely see it based on the way it's framed probably because they knew it would look ridiculous if you pulled back any further. It doesn't teach him a very important lesson, and it, it's just patently ridiculous, the whole movie, in a way that worked in the first one because it was in smaller doses. But once you go full throttle in the second one, and once you've decided to completely regress the characters, I just can't get on board with that. I'm sorry. 
it just doesn't work for me. And I think that that's really interesting because it serves to show what you could do wrong with both a sequel and a remake. And I appreciate that they both do very similar things. They hit very similar story beats. They um, they do, you know, redos, but with like a slight twist on some of the important and more classic moments from the first one, both the sequel and the remake. But I think the remake does it well because when some some of those things are very familiar, are, are very familiar, and some of those things are straight up, you know, exact lines of dialogue from the original movie. But I think that the sequel gives its own it, its own artistic spin. It gives you good characters and good performances, and it keeps it fresh. And it teaches a different lesson, and it takes it to a different setting, and it shows you a more in-depth look at the respect and the meaning of these martial arts beyond just fighting. And I think it does a very good job of of just exploring that same message in a more in-depth and visual and personal way and it adds certain elements to the dynamic between the student and the teacher and um, it adds different challenges for the characters to overcome. I really appreciated that and I think that it did a very good job where the sequel doesn't do do that very well. I think that the the moments are cheapened because they betray what's come before. They're very thinly veiled redos of a lot of very similar moments from the first movie that are just done better and yeah I think that that's that's very interesting and I think that a lot of times I am against remakes if you made it once and it was great there's no reason to do it again but in my opinion what you should be doing what we what I wish we saw more was Hollywood remaking bad movies because if it's a great premise, but it was executed poorly, then why not give it another go? And I understand that it's because of brand recognition. Simply put, movies that were pretty bad and weren't very well remembered aren't going to bring in as much money as a remake of Ghostbusters. However, I think that's creatively the better direction to go. And a movie like Karate Kid undoubtedly did not need a remake, but I think this is an example of how to do it right. You take it in a different direction, you take it to a different setting, you... Um, you change the lessons that the characters learn, you take certain elements that I think weren't perfect in the first movie and you make them better. I think that it's a really, really good example of that, whereas the sequel is decidedly not, in my opinion. And that's my whole spiel. I think I'm done. Um, I'm glad I got to talk about all that, and I'm glad I kept it all in my head uh, while I was, you know... Well, I was going through this whole episode, but uh, but yeah, I, I think this is a really fun franchise to revisit. And while I didn't have a great time with the second one, it's definitely worth watching at least once, just so you know where the story continues. Uh, definitely don't watch the third one for, please, if there's any advice I can give you in life, don't watch the third one. Good God, don't watch the fourth one. It's even worse somehow. Um, you're probably good with, with these three right here. But uh, I hope you enjoyed, and I hope that prompts you to revisit this really fun, really classic franchise. I think it definitely deserves a second look, and uh, and it's really fun, because these characters are endearing, this writing is fantastic, the performances are great, the action's entertaining, and, uh, and it's cool to see different ways uh, that you can take the same premise, and to see what works and what doesn't, and, and you know, decide for yourself uh, where you fall in terms of uh, your opinions on these movies. So, yeah. Whew. Before I get out of here, I would like to say that I am grateful to be going on another trip. And I know, I know, it's probably not safe. I'm not the one that controls the household. My mom's getting bored. She wants to go down to Georgia where her boss is right now. And apparently everything's open. And she just roped in my my family to, to do it with her. My grandma and my cousin, who I haven't seen in a while. And I'm very excited to see. So I'm grateful for that. And... I'm grateful that I have a mother who's caring enough to recognize needs in her community and to present a, a service. Uh, like she's she's a barber and she's you know she's she's offering cuts that are optional to pay for, but she's just doing them in the neighborhood and with her regular customers. And I think that's really cool of her. And I also think it's really great that she's using this trip not just as a as a way to get away from everything that's been going on back here but also as a as a way to help um you know help keep my family sane and and help keep us all 
happy and, and healthy and, and everything. And I think that's really cool. So, yeah, I'm grateful for all that, and I'm really excited to go on the trip. It'll give me something to talk about, too, so look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, if you enjoy the show and you want to support it, you can... Um, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcast. Five stars will be greatly appreciated. And you can do it right in app. It helps out a lot. And while you're at it, might as well consider subscribing. It's uh, it's great, and you can never miss an episode that way. So uh, if you want to follow the show on Instagram, you can do that at Movies and More Pod. Uh, that's where I post episodes, um, the topics of the discussion, and updates on when new episodes drop. If you want to follow me personally on Instagram, you can do that at Gvangeli1. I post sneakers and uh, song recommendations and when I go on trips I post um, pictures uh, from them not a lot of those recently but there'll be there'll be some soon so look forward to that and uh, follow me if that sounds cool to you if you want to email the show with any comments questions concerns or suggestions you can do that at movies and more pod at gmail.com and I will be sure to get back to you uh, as soon as possible if you choose the right end. So thank you if you've done all that, and if you are going to, thank you in advance. Holy crap, my throat really hurts. This has been a really long episode, but I'm glad I got to record it, and I'm glad, glad as always, that you listened to it. Thank you for your continued support of the show. I really appreciate it, and I will talk to you in the next one. Peace. But, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't think you were getting out of this one so fast, did you? Um, I did want to remind you to uh, put him in a body bag. <laughs> oh my god, that was terrible. Oh, that's my favorite part. That's my favorite kid that's not Johnny in the Cobra Kai. This is the guy that's like right behind the sensei. He's like, yeah, put him in a body bag. That guy is awesome. His face is so big. And I don't mean in terms of size. I mean just... In terms of articulation, my god, his face is so emotive. He's got eyebrows for days. Okay, bye, for real. You know, one of the other things that I really appreciated about the, um, about the original, and I think it has over the remake, is that since these are teenagers, they can be a little more edgy, if you will. Um, not only is Johnny lighting up in the bathroom, but um, but when you first meet the friend, who I wish was a bigger part of this movie, by the way. Actually, in both movies, I really wish that the like the sidekick that you kind of meet right as you as you're introduced to the new place. I wish they would have stuck around. But anyway, um, the the guy who introduces Daniel to the, like that old lady by the pool and he's like showing him around and invites him to the beach where he meets Allie he's got a shirt it's got two pigs they're uh they're going to pound town and um uh it says making bacon which I just thought was fantastic <laughs>